Radio for a really great future. We're talking real money. Kind of looked like today was going to be a bad day, didn't it? Well, it started off that way. It didn't end that way. This is Friday, by the way. The podcast is called Talking Real Money. I'm Don McDonald. Thanks for being here. Yeah, Thursday. That was a that was a pretty bad day. A lot of those tech stocks that got probably a little bit ahead of themselves went down. I mean, look at what they did. Particularly Apple and Tesla that went up like crazy because stupid people thought a split actually made them more valuable, which it didn't. Actually, they didn't even give back what they made just because of split stupidity. But, 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 as I've been not predicting for a while, not predicting because I don't predict, we were getting a little nuts about tech stocks and kind of ignoring everything else. That's what you get when you bet on a segment or a sector or a stock is you get big downturns. That's why we believe in global investing. And I'll get to that in a minute. Read an article today, of course, at Market Watch, and it was a charting thing about how the uh, the CAPE index, or I'm sorry, the CAPE equation uh, shows that U.S. stocks are dramatically overvalued. Well, it is at historical highs. Whether that means stocks are overvalued or not is anybody's guess because valuations fluctuate. What something is worth fluctuates. So while U.S. stocks, as measured by the S&P 500, which is mostly large cap U.S. growth stocks, Yes, that part of the market may be a little on the heady side, but is the whole market overpriced? You see, that's what we get when we refer to the S&P 500 as the market. We find ourselves stuck thinking that it is the market and therefore maybe the market is overpriced. But owning just the S&P 500 is a mistake. Owning just the NASDAQ is an even bigger mistake. Owning just Apple and Amazon is a huge mistake. What should you own instead? Well, let's say, and I don't have the exact number as of today of the the Schiller's Cape equation, but let's say right now the S&P 500 is probably pretty close, is around a 33 or 34 Cape. That is on the high side. However, if you look overseas, you'll find a lot of developed markets where the cape is in the teens. In other words, hmm, about half as much. Hmm. Are those assets overvalued or are they undervalued? Depends on what people are willing to pay, but Would you rather buy things that are expensive or things that are cheaper? Probably cheaper, right? Considering the expectations should be no different. The growth, long-term growth expectations. So we're talking about first world economies. Even in third world economies, 
the equation is closer to the same because third world isn't third world anymore, almost anywhere. So how do you do this then? How do you determine where to be? Here's the key. You don't. You don't. Don't think about it. Make it automatic. What do I mean by that? Well, you should own a portfolio that has U.S. stocks and international stocks. We believe in relatively equal measure because historically the U.S. market capitalization has been about the same as the rest of the world's combined. So close to 50-50. And then what you do is when your U.S. stocks have grown to more than that 50%, well, you sell some, whether it feels high or not. You make it automatic and you buy some of what? Yes, those international stocks. You see, you'll be selling high and you'll be buying low, but you won't be thinking about it. Will you make the big killings that some of your friends claim they've made? No. But you also won't suffer some of the big losses that your friends probably neglect to mention they suffered through. So diversify, and then that allows you to do something. If you diversify and you discipline your approach, it allows you to do something really important. And we call that living and not worrying about money all the time. That's my best advice to you. I'll give you some specific advice, though. Coming up in some questions that you sent in, we really haven't gotten a phoned-in or recorded question in a while. I'm not sure why, but we keep getting written questions. So, hey, questions are questions. We want to answer them. But you can call in your questions to 855-935-TALK. You can go online and record them in pretty good quality at TalkingRealMoney.com. Hit the contact form and then click on the microphone. Don't worry. If you stumble and stuff, I'll clean it up. I have that power. Or you can type it on that same page, TalkingRealMoney.com. Just go to the contact page, and that's where all of these questions originated. Like this one. Subject, Roth IRA Conversion Ladder. The question. I'm a longtime listener, and I like the banter. Keep it up. I am not a fire fanatic, and after listening to you on the Stacking Benjamins podcast, agree that someone should come up with a better acronym. I would like to be financially independent early so I can take a few years off and travel. Good idea. I like that. And then find employment or start a business that I enjoy working at. Good. On a recent podcast, somebody brought up the concept of Roth IRA conversion ladders. I've never heard either Tom or you talk about a Roth conversion ladder. I think we have, but it was a long time ago. Can you explain it better? I looked it up online, but I tend not to trust what I read online. From what I read, if I convert a 401k to a Roth IRA and pay the tax then wait five years, I could then take it out without any further tax or penalties, even if I'm younger than 59 and a half. Does this work 
only if I'm converting from pre-tax to post-tax, or can I take it from a Roth 401k and put it in a Roth IRA and then after five years take it out without penalties? To me, this is a new concept and it intrigues me. Yeah, Roth conversion ladders are a trick to take advantage of a little loophole in the tax law that allows you to take money out of a Roth IRA five years after a conversion from a regular IRA. So it and it doesn't, you don't have to be 59 and a half. Regular Roth IRA or Roth 401k contributions cannot be taken without penalty prior to 59 and a half. But conversions are treated differently. So what many have done is they plan a ladder, they figure out at, at what point they want to take some money out of their plan. And then five years prior, they fund that amount. So for example, if in 2025, you want to take out $50,000, well, then you need to make a Roth IRA conversion in 2020 for that amount, roughly that amount, because it might grow. We hope it grows. And then if you need 50000 in the next year or the year after that, you do the exact same thing in 2021, 2022, et cetera, for however long you need that. Then you can take those payments and still have your regular Roth IRA or 401k from which to draw after you turn 59 and a half. So, for example, in your case, let's say you want to take three years off starting in 2025. You put 50000 a year in in 2020, 2021, and 2022. No, you couldn't move your Roth, I, your Roth 401k, but you can use pre-tax assets. Because I guess the thinking is, we're getting the tax out of you, so we'll give you a little break. Uh, I don't know that that's the case, but that's, that's how it works. It's really simple, really simple. Oh, and then he concludes with one last postscript. Like I say, I don't want to set my retirement on fire, but I'm hoping by the time I'm 50, I can be fine, financially independent, now enjoy. Okay, I like that one. That's a good one. 855-935-TALK. If you want to call and leave a question, you can do it that way. You can also call us tomorrow, Tom and I. Yes, I know it's Labor Day weekend, but we will be doing our show live on Saturdays, just like we always do, starting at noon Pacific or 3 p.m. Eastern time. You can call that number and actually talk to us live and have a conversation with us, but only for those two hours on Saturday, 855-935-TALK. Same number either way, or go to TalkingRealMoney.com. Contact, form, Send a question verbally or written in like, oh, let's say this one. Subject. <laughs> it's all in caps, so I'm going to get back here. Analysis paralysis. What to do next with advisor and annuity? Then back to normal case. I have been a student of investing and understanding the market for several years, which has made me overconfident at times. Welcome to the club. I am a new listener to your show, however, and I love it. Thank you. I'm 55 years old and hoping to retire by age 65, but no pension plan or passive income. I have about $700,000 in all retirement accounts. Well, that's pretty good. 
So the next 10 years investment results is very important, obviously. Here is my dilemma. I have some money in a 401k, some in my Schwab accounts and IRAs slash Roth IRAs, $100,000, and some with a new advisor, $150,000, and some with an old advisor. So this makes it more challenging to organize my financial plan. Yeah. Yeah, well, we'll work on that. The old advisor talked me into a variable annuity five years ago, which has made me a total of $2,500 on a $225,000 investment. See, it's those fees. They eat you alive. I am finally at the point where I can get out of this 10-year lock, the surrender charge, without losing money. So I've initiated that three weeks ago. Still no money yet. They'll take their time. Trust me. They don't like, they do not like giving you your money back. Do I put all into the market at once, even though it has been on fire lately? <laughs> you get the, the topic from the beginning of the show and fire in at the same time. Or dollar cost average. And do I fire the advisor, the old advisor? Yeah. Yesterday, fire him. Uh, unless this is a new one you're talking about. Maybe it is because you go on to say he has another $215,000 invested in a, in a John Mayer portfolio. Oh, the weirdo alpha sort of guy, global X aggressive, which is doing pretty well for me at this time. Well, yeah, because the market's gone up. Um, let me do, let me talk about global X. Okay. Those are ETFs. It's, it's sort of a, a mathematical market timing system that tries to be in at the right time. You know, we don't believe in that. And their expenses are stupid high for an ETF, where an ETF should not cost more than two-tenths of a percent. Some of their funds cost six-tenths. And these are ETFs, exchange-traded funds. Uh, and then he goes on to say, FYI, old advisor charges 1.5%. Wait, he charges 1.5% and he sells commissioned annuities? He's a scoundrel. He's a scoundrel. Yes, he, yep, fire him. New one charges 1%, but if the new one is putting you into Global X, I'd fire him too. I am diversified, but need to get more into value, emerging growth while they are cheap. Oh, there you go. Thanks for the service you provide. You just said it. Earlier you said, should I get in all at once? The market's been on fire. Well, no, you shouldn't get into the Dow or the NASDAQ, but as you said, value, emerging, international. This is not as complicated as your idiot advisors want to make it seem because they feel the need to justify their fees by doing complicated, confusing, and special things for you. When a good advisor should be building a massively diversified portfolio based on your personality, your risk profile, not just your risk tolerance, but your risk profile, and discussing with you what you're going to need in retirement so that you can determine how much risk you need to take. And then you diversify like crazy, like I mentioned earlier. Then you rebalance regularly in a disciplined manner. You don't make decisions based on what you or anybody else thinks or feels. Active money management is and has been a complete and utter failure in aggregate. There are always anecdotes about success, but they're just that. 
their anecdotes. Every study ever done shows that active management in aggregate cannot be passive investing, basically owning a broad-based portfolio and then managing it with a structure, with a plan. You got to have a plan. And it doesn't sound like a single person you're dealing with has a plan. These are plan-free advisors. And that should be the first thing an advisor does. Start with the plan, then talk about the investments, but only after you know everything you need to know about your client, their present and their future, even their past, and you've determined what the best course of action is, only then should you start thinking about investments. We're always putting the cart before the horse and it's getting people in trouble. So I'd fire everybody. Start from scratch. Go to talkingrealmoney.com slash help. And that's got a whole section on how you find an advisor, how you vet advisors, all of that kind of stuff. Start anew. Start from scratch. Fire everybody. You know, you, you have your accounts, leave the money alone and don't mess with it because you need the new advisor to help you straighten it out too, from a tax standpoint. So that's my advice. Thanks for the note. And I get one more in since it's the weekend. Uh, oh, by the way, call 855-935-TALK or leave your questions at TalkingRealMoney.com on the contact page. Subject on this next note, bonds for a down market. I have always been confused about bonds. I understand the basics, but whenever I read about suggestions on them, it isn't what I thought. I have 60000 or so in cash, rest in mutual funds and ETFs, which I was planning on moving into the market if it turns down significantly. What? Oh, oh, okay. Listen, 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 listen. How will you know when it has turned down significantly and it's about to go back up? I mean, it can go down. Well, what about the going back up part? Yeah, it's got to do that too. Oh, okay. I think a better idea is to put it into bonds slash ETFs, but not sure which type. It looks like long-term bonds go up the most in a down market, and they also go down the most in an up market, or never mind. Here's, <laughs> I'll continue with the question. But most recommendations I see are for short and intermediate suggestions. Okay. Bond, you got, you don't, you're not getting bonds. Bonds don't appreciate, period. They do not appreciate. They do not grow more valuable. They pay income. Now, if the prevailing rates go down, then the value of a bond with a higher locked-in interest rate goes up. And the longer the term of that interest rate, the more the increase, because the more valuable that, lo that long-term income stream is. However, should rates flip and start going up and you got long-term rates that are now looking low, well, the value of those long-term bonds plunges. So it's dual-edged. That's why most people, because bonds should be in your portfolio for one thing and one thing only, the stability necessary to keep you on track, to keep you disciplined so you don't panic. That's why bonds are there. They're not there to make you money. They're there to keep you from doing dumb things. That's why most people who believe in the science of investing, trading risk for return, believe that you should have short to intermediate term, high quality bonds 
in your portfolio because they remain more stable, that being the purpose of bonds. So, uh, And again, this all goes back to having a comprehensive plan that in which you're not managing a hodgepodge of assets. You're not saying, okay, this is this asset. I need to manage this this way. And this is that asset. I need to manage it that way. No, 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 no. They need to all be one portfolio that works together. What you're doing is you're building basically an, an investment organism that works as you need it to work, both in terms of the risk you need to take to get where you need to be and the risk you can't stand or you'll panic. And remember, investing is all about a risk-return trade-off. Always. There is no such thing as wealth without risk. There is no such thing as the returns of the market with no risk. There is no such thing as high income with no downside. It doesn't exist. Those are all fantasies that stockbrokers and some financial advisors, a lot of financial advisors and insurance agents keep perpetuating because that's how they get you in the front door and get the commissions and high fees out of you. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends. Call the number 855-935-TALK. Call the number tomorrow on Saturday between 3 and 5 Eastern or noon and 2 Pacific, 855-935-8255. And if you're one of those folks who has a complex situation and you want someone to talk it over with, but you don't want to call for one of these free consultations where you'll get pitched something, let me make a promise about my firm. I can only make promises about my firm, the firm that Tom and I started 11 years ago. It's called Vestory. And the one thing we have done and will continue to do for as long as we are able is provide not free consultations, but actual free meetings where we can sit down and help you get on a better course, whether you are a do-it-yourselfer, whether you're working with somebody else that you're totally happy with, or you become one of our clients. doesn't matter. We're going to help you, but we're not going to push you into becoming a client. And we're not going to do this for you every few months because that would be a bad, bad business model. But we do do it once and it's really free and you can sign up for it really simply. You can either call 800-386-3004. That's our 800 number. It's answered 24 hours a day. Or you can go online to either talkingrealmoney.com or vestory.com and just make an appointment. Pick the time. We'll make sure. We've got lots of advisors. We'll make sure someone meets with you. Okay? So go check it out. Talkingrealmoney.com, vestory.com, 800-386-3004, and call in with your questions, 855-935-TALK. Is that enough numbers for you? Thanks for listening. Tell a friend or more, and um, listen to the show tomorrow live in Seattle. It's on the internet, Talking Real Money. And keep listening to the podcast. Take good care of yourselves. Have a great Labor Day weekend. I'm Don McDonald. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for educational and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, knowing can accurately, consistently predict the future. 
So past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Vestry, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. Are we done now?